Yeah, baby. Welcome to Every Month Madness. I'm Joe Costell, and this is the show that knows that any month is a good month to take popular culture and pit it against itself in a tournament-style bracket battle royale where only one thing can be left standing. This month, the songs of the piano man himself, Billy Joel, with Libby Cudmore and Michael Grosvenor. Let's tip it off, baby! Why start a, a pilot episode of a podcast with Billy Joel? And the answer is because I could not find a more polarizing issue than this one. When So this is Every Month Madness. Uh, this is our pilot. We're part of the Three Crones Network. And um, when my Jersey Ghoul uh, sister producer, Marissa, and I were kicking around ideas and we told people that one of the things we could do on this podcast was Billy Joel songs, we got one of two distinct reactions, which was, Oh my God, that's my dream podcast. I know exactly what songs I'd want to let me come on and talk about Billy Joel. Or people would be like, why are you doing a podcast about Billy Joel? There are no good Billy Joel songs. There, Billy Joel has to be one of the most polarizing musicians out there. He has to be. Now, I love Billy Joel, but I am also a New Yorker who grew up in the 80s. So like, I don't no, think- so I, am I, what's your fucking excuse? <laughs> like I, I, Billy Joel is just handed to you. When you were, when you live in the New York metro area in the 1980s, you get Billy Joel. You know, yeah. it's like Wayne and Garth say, he comes in the mail with samples of Tide. You know, <laughs> you don't really get to decide. You just, you know, I have these fond memories of my mother cleaning up the house, uh, listening to Billy Joel, but so I understand. I understand. I'm sure she's thinking I have these terrible memories of having to clean my fucking kid's house, listening to garbage. <laughs> no, music. no, I know she loved us and Billy Joel. The patriarchy. All right. So the anger that's seeping through is uh, is our first guest, Libby <laughs> Cudmore. Libby, I'm so grateful that you're here. She is one my one of my favorite music nerds in the entire mm -hmm. world. Host of the OST podcast. Host of the Shattered Shield. Author of what one reviewer called, what did, were you called, was your novel called the a woman's high fidelity or female yes. high fidelity? Like high fidelity for girls. High fidelity, I think it's high fidelity for everyone. I she's agree, high fidelity is line. She's host of my favorite thing on Twitter, Record Saturday. Libby Cudmore is here against her will. Hello. Libby. All right, so Libby, why do you hate Billy Joel? Oh God, that's a, I, there's gonna be a whole podcast just on that. Uh, do you want the long answer or the I, short answer? I want the encapsulation of it because you're probably going to get ample opportunity in our tournament <laughs> to go into it in depth. But give me the quick bubble of hatred for Billy Joel. I think, well, part of it, uh, he was one of my ex's favorite musicians. And it's not that I don't like him because I broke up with my ex. It's that I feel like my ex and I probably started to break up in a long breakdown when I got into the Smiths, because once I heard Morrissey, I began to understand that there was so much more to music. Cause I actually liked Billy Joel a lot when I was like 17. Billy Joel was my first wow. concert at the Carrier Dome oh. in Syracuse. Oh, that's a dirty little tidbit. <laughs> so, uh, and I think that's also why I, I hate Billy Joel as much as I do because I know every Billy Joel song. It's not like, yes. oh, well, if you heard, like, it's like, no, I know them all. Right. Cause I know them all by heart. Cause everybody's heard every Billy Joel song, Libby. But, That's why. <laughs> well, yes. But I mean, like I, I, we just moved well a year ago 
And I found all my CDs. They've been boxed up in storage. And to show how far back that box goes, I have Piano Man, Stormfront, The Bridge, Greatest Hits Volume 1, 2, and 3, and River of Dreams. On vinyl. No, just on CD. No, I'm not going to let any Billy Joel records into the sacred collection. You know, your goddamn mind. (laughs) I know, but I do. I... The Stranger was one of the first, Ew. Uh, one of the first LPs I was ever handed, and it and it was fantastic. I call it so Child Protective Services. My longtime favorite music nerd is going to be facing off against one of my new absolute favorite music nerds, and that is the host of the Glass Houses, Glass Houses, the Billy Joel podcast. He's a drummer, most notably from September on. Michael Grovner is also here to tell Libby Cudmore why she's wrong. <laughs> Michael, why do you love Billy Joel? Oh man, you know it's funny. I'm I'm not from New York, uh, but I'm I'm from Detroit. But I felt like Billy was always there in my life too. The first album of any music whatsoever I've got any recollection of is Glass Houses, so that certainly inspired the name. And there was something about it from the first needle drop. It you may be right. I was I was not even not even a year old when it came out, but I was transfixed as a toddler. And it just, I never grew out of it, apparently, because here we are 41 years later, and I'm still listening to those records all the time. And something about the songs, and especially the band he had, um, I just always gravitated towards those musicians and loved it. Yeah. This was the one he drove to suicide. (laughs) Doug. Too soon, Libby. It's way too soon to go to that. You gotta keep keep something in your pocket. Yeah, that's a complex story. (laughs) I've got a lot in my pocket. No, that's funny. Uh, The first uh, record I remember hearing was Warren Zevon's Excitable Boy. I remember my dad coming in. So I think that's that's very cool that you have that very early childhood memory. Yeah. And I will say one of my early memories too, because uh, uh, my my mom did get the record, the Glass Houses record as a gift um, from her brother. And I remember my sister being freaked out by the back cover photo of Billy staring through the broken glass. Her uh, His eyes freaked her out. So yeah. at, one po- at one point she colored his eyes in with a pen, Good. which made him look even more psychotic. Oh, <laughs> uh, he has the ugliest album covers. I think we can all agree on that. Like they're yeah, all but- hideous. You know, I I remember being really transfixed by Billy by Billy's eyes on that cover too. But I remember it was because Billy was in sunglasses a lot, right? Well, yeah, like, I don't hung over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and and just angry. But <laughs> which I don't know you if sunglasses know, help. But it's really yeah. hard to be a regular white dude from Long Island. It's really tough. It is. It's really it's hard. It's like Brenda. It's like Brenda and Eddie. It's really tough. You got to really fight. Brenda. <laughs> That's that's if you live live on Long Island, that's how you say Brenda. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh my my god. If you were in, if you were at the Parkway Diner at that time, believe me, you were Brenda. Oh my god, I'm so (laughs) sad right now. My gosh, we're already off to hijinks. (laughs) Let me tell you how this is going to work. We have 32 Billy Joel songs ranked in order, and they were ranked by Vulture, Culture Magazine, and website. And we took those, we took them in the order that they were, we put them in an NCAA style tournament, four groups of one through eight seedings. Um, our panelists have seen only the first round. They will kind of decide moving forward. What they don't know is that you, our listener, have spent the last two weeks voting your own favorite Billy Joel songs. And I have the results of those right here. Now, four songs will get automatic bids to the second round. 
Our panelists won't know what those four songs are until they come up. And the one song that received the most votes from you, the listener, will move on automatically to the second round of the tournament. Now, I will only vote in the event that Olivia and Michael do not agree. And I have, a, I have a sense that they will not agree. Even if they both agree on the same song, they probably won't agree. Why? And we will move on like that until only one Billy Joel song stands. Got it? Got it. Got it. Let's get into the tournament. We start in what I call the stranger bracket. And in the stranger bracket, we have number one seed scenes from an Italian restaurant, 1977, off the stranger versus my life off of 52nd Street, 1978. Michael, you start. Which one of these moves on for you? Without a doubt, it's going to be scenes from an Italian restaurant. I love how those elements weave their way together. Which that's, song do you hate that's less? Because they're, they're both so terrible. Um, my life is just so, again, like, oh, I've got it so hard. I'm going to like fight my way for Like, you are a white man. Nothing stands in your way. Literally nothing. But I'm, I'm going to have to actually. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to have to go with scenes from an Italian restaurant. And I'm going to tell you why. Because a couple weeks ago, one of my favorite people in the world called me at random. And uh, we joke a lot about Billy Joel. Um, and he called me and he said, I went back and I listened to scenes from an Italian restaurant and you were right. That song is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so just but, because of that agreement, you're gonna move it on? <laughs> yes, because now every time I hear it, I'm like, motherfucker, now I think of that guy. <laughs> and I, and he's, he's, the, he's one of my favorite people. All right. Other so than you, Joe. So oh, well, I appreciate so that. Like so. sweet memories, I guess. And it also a little bit reminds me of uh, my high school boyfriend. Cause we used to meet up for um, bubble tea it, at this one place in the city every so often. And so it really, that was our, you know, Italian restaurant. Oh, you had yeah, a bottle so of red. Did they, does bubble tea come in red and white? I don't even. It I comes don't. in pink flavor. <laughs> And bottle green flavor. flavor. <laughs> bottle of chocolate and strawberry. I don't know. I don't know what bubble tea comes in. All right. So scenes from Italian restaurant, number one scene moving on. No upset there. Let's talk really quickly about my life, though, because am I the only one who automatically thinks of Bosom Buddies? They uh, had some you know, music band <laughs> recreate it for the yeah. theme song. Yeah. Oh, that so, actually makes me like it more because they somehow <laughs> managed to take something bad and make it worse. Right. I love no. it. It's, Can I change most, my boat? <laughs> it's the most bananas thing ever. So, so right. first of Amazing. all, you have this really, really notoriously bad late 70s television show, which is th the world's introduction to Mr. Tom Hanks. And Peter Story. <laughs> yeah, boy, the other bosom buddy. What a life. Sure. <laughs> but so Tom Hanks is in, and, and they play, I just, I rewatched it on YouTube. So they have Billy Joel's My Life but they re-record it with some random band that actually there's this huge internet rumor that Tom Hanks sings that. Michael, have you ever heard this? I've heard that rumor and I, I'm pretty positive it's not him. Yes, I don't think it's him <laughs> either. It is, but I will say it's awful. And it's yeah. funny, Libby, because you're always bringing up Billy Joel's like just stark white heteroness. And that the opening to Bosom Buddies <laughs> is just insanely like, we're a show about cross-dressing white males so we're going to have the protagonist do the most overtly manly things. Do you, Libby, I'm right. not sure you remember this, but Michael, do you remember what I'm talking about? They're yeah. like, they play stickball. They're like, they're it's, like rough. it's like, it's like everything we could find that screams heterosexual. 
right <laughs> to make the point that the show has nothing to do with sexuality these are white-blooded american men who dress like women awful but in order yeah. i think it's like in order to get an apartment in this building or something yes. like that yeah. right is that the premise yeah. yeah donna dixon's in it who went on to marry dan Aykroyd. i tell you real I quick cannot. what i what i always think of when i think of my life is how much drummer liberty devito hates it as well why why does he hate it he just can't stand the tune Really? In the studio, he in the in the studio, because I think part of the groove is just so straight, almost discoy, right? Yeah, and it's chipper. He, when they were working through the song in the studio, his comment to producer Phil Ramone is, "I'm not playing this disco bullshit." <laughs> wow. And, and Phil, that was in 1978 when when everybody was doing disco songs, right? I and mean, keep in mind, he's this not is man all, enough to do disco. This was only his third record with with Billy and second with the producer, Phil Ramone says, listen, you're going to sit there and you're going to play what I tell you to play. He's like, what? Wow. You've been in this business 10 minutes. You're going to play this. Oh, and, wow. That's awesome. And then he's like, and now I've got a gold record for my life on my wall. Yeah. So yeah. Like, yeah. Did, did they, was there a lot of that, Michael? Was there a lot of like a uh, dissent among those guys or? It was back in the day. It was very democratic. He really, um, a record didn't, a song didn't make a record unless the band dug it. And Ooh, so there's like hidden Billy Joel tracks. It's going to yeah. be like when he dies, they're going to like find his dirty old basement <laughs> filled with eight tracks. Like well, see, Prince only thing. sad. Right, right. <laughs> Funny oh. enough though, things would never get to that point if they, he was working through something, showed it to the band as he was working through it. They're like, this is garbage. It would just, it would go away. Maybe he would pull out like a, like a bridge 10 years later and work it into something else, but it usually stopped dead in its tracks if the band hated it. Hold on, I want to talk about my life really quick because the thing that stands out to me is the vomit noise he makes at the end. He's like, like, what is that? Michael, will you explain that to me? Yeah. I need to know. It's, he's saying something in a different language. What is he saying? I don't remember, honestly, but it's, I've, I've, at some point I had an isolated track of just the vocal and I forget, forget what he's saying in a different language. I don't know if he's just cursing or screwing around, but it's, it's some different language, but it's so buried in the mix. You're right. It sounds like he's like regurgitating something. He has so many vocal noises that are missteps in songs. Yeah. Like, like, like it's coming on the list. So I don't want to do, but the, the, ooh, the uh, of Allentown just makes me to this day makes me feel dirty. I don't like listening to it. I pretend it's not there. And I will sting the hell out of Allentown, like if I'm alone in the car. But, well, we all will. But I I skip right over those. I can't even- Those are the best part. In the concert of my mind, I can't even do them. I, I, don't, I don't sing them. I have to tell you two Billy Joel malapropisms for me, okay? Because one of them is in my life. So we are first generation Cuban American, but we also have Italian in our family. And I don't know if you guys know the phrase maron, but maron is like an Italian, like, it's just like an expletive, right? Like it's just a random expletive. Well, I thought growing up as a little kid that the line in my life was, was maron, my time, instead of not on, that he was making this like Italian expletive because I thought Billy Joel was like this Italian dude from New York, not the German Jew that he is, but I thought for sure that he was saying Madon. Next one is, I thought for years 
that it was you make the rice, I make the gravy. Now I'm Cuban, so it makes sense, right? Right, right, right. Cuban Italians, you got one making the rice, the other making the gravy. Now you have to open a Cuban Italian restaurant <laughs> and oh, have that be I'll be inspired dishes. It will go viral. Wait, I think the name of the restaurant should just be, but it just might be a lunatic you're looking for. And then it's only rice and gravy on the menu and some people will get it. I'd, I'd eat there. Round number two, number four seed, All My Life, which was like, Michael, I'm right that this was just a single, right? So yeah, you have an album? It was a standalone single he wrote for ex-wife number three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> About and a year before they divorced. <laughs> number five seed, Street Life Serenader off of the album by the same name. was probably like, what, 72, right? Seven, right? 74. 74, okay. Yep. Um, number four against number five. Libby, Libby, you start off this time. I don't... I don't know the other ones. I guess I'm going to say Street Life Serenader. Um, are we going to be talking about Attila on this podcast? <laughs> no, there is no I should have brought in my Attila vinyl. You have Attila on vinyl? I'm I like, do. I'm simultaneously angry, but also really impressed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't explain it. I'm actually a little bit in awe. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Street Life Serenade. Which, by the way, Michael... That's an emotion she's very comfortable living in. <laughs> I can deal with that. I can live with that. All right, Michael, go ahead. Which one? For me, it's Street Life Serenade all day long. I do not like all my life whatsoever. It's, oh, God. Me neither. It's a really bad attempt at being like a straight up Sinatra type crooner. And yes. it's, it's eh, I don't like it whatsoever. That's the lyric, so weird. He didn't but have anybody in the band to tell him that the lyric needed work. And it's, yeah, um, not a fan of that song at all, believe it or not. And uh, Street Life Serenade, always dug it. Songs in the Attic version is great. Mm -hmm. And there's not a single chorus. So it's straight verses all the yeah. way through, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah and actually, uh, Michael, this is where you and I are going to have to really agree. Uh, the live stuff is so much better than the album stuff. I yeah. like, uh, I'm sure, I hope we get to it because if you screw up this one, I'm going to be so fucking mad. But um, yeah, like really every, every song that I like of his that I can hear live, much prefer. He has a great, or he used to have a great live energy. And I think that's also why I stopped liking him because I remember yeah. seeing a concert where he's just like, Brendan, Eddie, like, dude, nobody's making you do this. Right, right. I know you no, got I, like eight alimonies to pay and a lot of child support. Yeah. But- <laughs> Like the fact that someone who was once such an energetic performer was just like jerking it off, really like it disheartened me. I think that might've actually been like the final, the final track. I understand that. I totally do. Yeah. And he had, he has a very uh, well-documented awareness of the, the live versions being better, I think, right? Because he, he goes to great lengths to release them. He goes to great lengths to get them a lot more play and a lot more exposure than some of the studio cuts. So it, you, Michael, you have a very intimate knowledge of what was going on in those days. Was he embarrassed of production quality? Like, what was the deal? Well, it was mostly the first four albums. So Cold Spring Harbor, which was a production disaster, uh, Piano Man, Street Life Serenade. Those, those first three records were all studio musicians. And he just never liked the vibe. He just it never felt organic. It never felt like a band to him. And, and he would always tour with different guys than he recorded with. Um, on the Street Life Serenade tour, he brought on Doug Stegmeier, bass player. 
and basically pulled him aside and said, listen, I think I want to move back to New York and I want a New York band. Do you know any guys? Well, Doug just happened to know guitar players and a drummer who he was in a band with prior. And so he brought them all into the Billy band and then turnstiles going forward was this band. And um, so, yeah, he just, he was just super unhappy with all the studio records until he got hooked up with these guys. And then, then it all clicked. That's, yeah. that's actually, that's really interesting. Yeah. Cause I always, uh, the, the studio albums always have, um, you know, like a hollowness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. to them. And that yeah, was a big I mean, reason why they put out uh, songs in the attic. Yeah, one songs in the attic is is great. I mean, it's unbelievable. But he's he's really feeding off of the better musicians. You can feel it because he mm-hmm. sings the songs better. You know, yeah. it, it would be one thing if you could just say musically they're tighter, which they are. They're much tighter musically. But they but Billy is just more into them. I think. Yeah, those musicians. It's kind of a beautiful story, Libby. I think even your heart could be warmed by that story. Nope. Thank All right, you. moving on. I don't want to be alone from Glass Houses, number three seed, going up against Summer Highland Falls from my favorite Billy Joel album, Turnstiles. Michael, you start us off. This was a tough one for me because I love the B-side for Glass Houses and I Don't Want to Be Alone is a great song. I would have swapped out the sax solo for the original guitar solo, personally. Um, it would have dated it a little less, um, but I'm going to go Summer Highland Falls. That's, to me, top five, top 10 Billy song right there. All right. Yeah, I agree with that. Libby? Fuck yeah, Summer Highland Falls. It's my favorite fucking Billy Joel song. I love that song so goddamn much. I love it. I love that song. I have that on 45. I have the live version from Songs in the Attic. The live version from uh, the uh, the Millennium concert. Oh, that is just peak. It is beautiful. It is perfection. I can't even listen, honestly, to the Turnstiles version because it no, doesn't have it's a hard to. It doesn't come close to those live versions. Yeah, yeah so, they are really good. And, and you know what? Our our listeners agree with you guys because Summer Highland Falls was the fourth highest vote getter on our poll. Oh my I God, forgot to mention that Scenes from an Italian Restaurant was number two. Um, so they would have both moved on anyway without you guys. But yeah, Summer Highland Falls, we'll get a chance to talk about it again. Our next matchup, number two, Sleeping with the Television on. Um, which is also Glass Houses, right, Michael? It is. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've loved these days, number seven seed versus the number two. This was another um, tricky one. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, go ahead. What were you thinking? <laughs> um, I'm going to go Sleeping with the Television On. Always okay. loved it. I've loved these days. Songs in the Attic version is killer. Um, but Sleeping with the Television On is just such a fun tune. Um, even the cheesy organ solo in it. Um, I still love it. Okay. Sleeping from Michael, Libby. I've loved these days. Sounds like, uh, did you guys ever play the game Phantasmagoria? <laughs> what is Me it? neither. But in it, this guy murders all his wives and one of them, he feeds her, he like funnels pig guts through a funnel and chokes it to death. Yeah, it's that's... like that, but with caviar. That's a line in I've loved these days, right? funneling pig guts down it's, it is let's caviar in, in how in what that sounds like but uh so i sleep with the television on i feel like it's a really pure billy joel song because i have a feeling he falls asleep in front of the television in his underwear literally every <laughs> night of his life so i feel like it's really it's true to who he is so like i think both of these songs have that classic <laughs> billy joel problem where there's one element of them that just doesn't hold up at all and it's the cocaine line, and I've loved these days. Like literally, the cocaine line 
drives me insane. It ruins the song for yeah. me because it's an image that's just so not a part of anything that's making sense in that song. Yeah. I hate it so yeah, Also, much. it's like, no one's ever offered you cocaine. Right. Right. You're not that cool. <laughs> Billy, there was no You're drinking Miller Lite in front of that TV. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the musical equivalent of Johnny Lawrence at the start of Cobra Kai. Right? You know, it's funny the cocaine line. He's cha he changed a few lines in that song. I don't know why that wasn't one of them because I love these days was in the original title. Really? Oh my gosh! Yeah, the the cocaine line jars me out of that every time, every yeah. single time, and it's a really pretty song otherwise. Yeah. Originally, um, it was called These Rhinestone Days. Wow, holy! I've loved these days is actually a better title, but Michael, I have to say this is fascinating. I'm actually really <laughs> enjoying hearing all of these Billy Joel facts. Oh my god! Because my Billy Joel just comes from the gut. Right, right. Until <laughs> like hearing this, I, I, I'm actually, I'm quite fascinated. I, I am so talking. proud that I'm committing to print or celluloid or whatever the hell this is to digital. You saying you're warmed by Billy Joel because you have. I didn't say I'm warmed by Billy Joel. I said I'm actually quite interested I, in the music history but, lesson that I'm getting from Michael. You shut the fuck up. But the night is young. The night, the night, as Billy would say, is young. All right, number one. The night only, is still young. Get it right, Joe. Get it together. Only the good die young. Number one versus Big Man on Mulberry Street. Number eight, Libby. Big Man on Mulberry Street. Big Man on Mulberry Street. Russian concert version. What? Why? Why do you love that? Because again, it's a live version. It's uh, it's kind of jazzy and a little bit sultry. And I guess as a fifth, as a I'd say a fifteen-year-old, I thought that's what jazz sounded like. So it's a little sophisticated, a little mysterious. It does lose points because it was used in a dream sequence on Moonlighting. Yep. <laughs> and the only thing, honestly, that can make Billy Joel worse is the addition of Bruce Willis. <laughs> I want them in a buddy cop movie and I want you to produce it. I want to hook myself up to that pink gut funneling machine <laughs> instead. Michael, what do you think? Same reasons. The live version from Russia of Mulberry Street. It beats only the good die young by a hair. Probably because I've heard only the good die young five million times and you never hear Mulberry anymore. Yeah, and um, also but, go sorry. ahead. You know, I was going to say, also, Only the Good Die Young is, I mean, Billy Joel is not great with women. Uh, and that song is just like this long nag right. of this yeah. girl's religious beliefs. And like, I'm not Catholic, well, but it's what? her choice. And he's just like, why won't you let me fuck you? Right, I know. It's just like, yeah. shut, dude, she won't let you fuck her because you're Billy Joel. Yeah. Well, there, you look like a fish there's wearing a, lot a mop. Of there's a lot of lyrical problems with a lot of Billy Joel right now, but this is one of them where it shines through the most. But, right. you know, this is pretty controversial because you guys are picking, you know, you're picking against a song that's very regularly in the top two or three. Um, are we, are we well, guilty? People are terrible. A little bit. Go ahead. What? I didn't hear you, Liv. I'm sorry. Oh, I said people are terrible. Yeah. Well, that's true. You have terrible there Billy Joel tastes. Is there a more perpetually sour artist than Billy Joel? Michael, do you have to reckon with this being being such a big fan and doing spending so much time with his work? You know, it's 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 tough. I, I think the uh a lot of his work is wrapped around almost being uncomfortable in his own skin, unsure of who he is, and just self-pity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in a way, you know, that it's it's his greatest flaw, but it's also his charm, right? I mean, right. you know, I think that 
that I, I think it's certainly something that I plugged into at a young age, the regularness of it. Right. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's still, I don't think that's, I think that's a hard thing to hold on to at the end of a career, but all right, moving on. Number four, the stranger off of an album by the same name, obviously 1977, number four seed going up against number fives still rock and roll to me. Michael starts off. Well, I fell in love as a kid with still rock and roll to me, but I think the stranger has stood the test of time longer as a song. Um, the bass playing of Doug Stegmeier on that tune, just the way it flows, the way it pops. Um, that's just a, a hallmark performance from him. And the groove on that, on the studio cut is just fantastic. So uh, I'm going to go stranger. Libby. We're not so different, Michael. <laughs> no, actually we've, we've basically agreed on just about every song. I'm yeah. I don't think I've voted yet. Good. Keep good yeah, job. I'm, I'm going to go, I guess, with The Stranger because it's still rock and roll to me. It's a terrible garbage song for garbage people with a stupid video. And it really does have, if you want to like really like break it down, for starters, it's sort of like an all genres matter. They're all rock and roll. They aren't. And especially when he's sort of talking about like punk music, which is traditionally working class and funk music, which is traditionally uh, a, a black genre. For them right. to be like, no, it's cool. It's all still like white guy rock and roll. Like, shut up. <laughs> Just shut your stupid big Billy Bass mouth face. Yeah, it really, it, it, I mean, the song, and in a minute, I'm, I'm going to make you really mad, Libby, by defending some lyrics of his, but you, there is just, it's indefensible, this one, because he's literally like making the counter argument <laughs> through the lyrics of the song. I know, and it's just, and he's got that dumb jacket and a garbage stick. <laughs> and that's the and, very, that's a very thin tie video, too, right? Yes. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the thing with the stranger is, well, that whistle is really haunting. I got like, a story that's about freakish. that. Yeah. And I want to hear it, but it's so much of Billy Joel is ripping off other artists and the stranger seems so yeah. purely ethereal. Like it doesn't sound like anything else. And then it goes like really into that, that grind, the shield podcast, I think, one of I think my co-host brought up something about masks and I just rattled off the line from the stranger he's like what is that I'm like it's the poet William Joel and he didn't get it oh, and funny. I was so mad I'm like do you not know Billy Joel like <laughs> do you not have a dad that listens to like <laughs> right classic rock radio <laughs> that's a t-shirt I think do you not Michael, have a dad I love you it you should make a Billy Joel t-shirt that just says do you not have a dad <laughs> that's amazing oh way to steal an idea from a woman okay <laughs> you've got the right of first refusal yeah well seriously Libby what are you gonna do with that t-shirt actually you know what that should be the official t-shirt of record Saturday <laughs> The official t-shirt of record Saturday. What are you going to do with that t-shirt, Libby? Make it and then loathe it? Yes. <laughs> exactly. It'll, evil Libby will wear it. Oh, yeah, that is true. And Libby, uh, evil Libby will wear the hell out of it. That's true. Um, <laughs> all right. So actually, Michael, let's keep your stranger story for when, because we're going to see the stranger again. Yep. Yes. Let's move I can't on wait to, to hear that. A, a Billy Joel song I absolutely Libby. I Libby the hell out of this one. It's a number three seed, though, according to Vulture. It was pretty high up there. The Longest Time off of Innocent Man. And then Captain Jack, number six. Oh, I'm going to barf everywhere. <laughs> so six seed Captain Jack. Libby, go ahead. Barf and then tell us what you choose. Oh, these are both awful. Can I say neither of them? 
No, you oh, have God. to choose one. That's why you're here. You're here to be tortured and choose. Can I tell a story about Captain Jack? Please. Yeah. This is a sad story. What so, Captain Jack story would be happy? It's uplifting. Yeah. So, Come on, neighborhood drug dealer. What's not so happy about that? Yeah. Right before my ex and I broke up, like a month before, and I was sort of like starting to not quite see someone else on the side, but start to fall in love with another guy. I was really into Tom Waits, which is a game changer when all you've been listening to is Billy Joel for the last seven years. <laughs> So in a last ditch effort to save our relationship, my ex got us tickets to moving out. And I don't know if you've ever seen moving out. I have. It's, I thought it was going to be like a musical. It's all dancing while some third tier bar band plays above the stage. No, shut the front door for real. Moving out's not a musical. It's a dance show with a band. It's all, it's all dance. It's all dance. Yes. Holy crap. And there is a extremely heavy handed choreographed by a 10th grader drug dance recital to Captain Jackery's flailing all over the stage because he's on the heroin. And I just remember thinking, we're going to break up. I'm going to leave this man. This is it. We're gonna, this is it. Like, that is like, that's like in this weird way. It's like that and Nuclear by Ryan Adams, which was played constantly in our car because the only CD he would put on was the Smallville soundtrack. Um, He got married before I did. Drugs are bad. Yeah. And it was just like, so in my mind, like, even now when I think of Captain Jack, all these years later, I'm happily married to the man I left him for. The Captain Jack had just that deep sadness where I'm like, this is going to be the last memory he has of me before I walk out the door and marry an art student. (laughs) Well, I had never heard the word masturbate before. I'll tell you that. That's that's for sure. My very first exposure to that word was definitely the song. Cause I remember being, wait, I remember asking an adult, wait, what's that? What is that? Can you say that on the radio? Right. (laughs) But honestly, okay, so at the longest time, I described this in an essay I wrote for the uh, for yachtrock.com as don't lop. Um, I, honestly, I'm going to have to go with Captain Jack because thinking about breaking up with my ex makes me happy. It gets Good. me high tonight. It takes me to my special <laughs> island. And she is smiling, folks. Yeah. Is your special island your clitoris? <laughs> Michael, how do you follow Tell that up? Seriously, <laughs> that's it. This can't be top. That's it. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm like George. I'm out. <laughs> oh man, I do. I do. What I like about the longest time is that every single vocal on it is Billy. All oh, that's he couldn't even get a duet band together. He's just sad. He recorded. No, they recorded it with like the background singers who did the other stuff on the record. But they just, it just didn't feel how he wanted. So he's like, I'll just do it myself and recut the whole song by himself. Um, you know, that it makes me like the song better, Michael, yeah. because he was not a very, he, he's not a very sure or confident vocalist, right? Right. Mm. Yeah. Right or no? Yeah. We, we, it's like when he's doing, when he's being Billy Joel, I feel like he's not. But like he can slip into Ray Charles or Steve Winwood and he's at home. Right. Right. 
but um when he's trying to be billy i think he's a little more self-conscious and um but i think in the studio it might be a little different animal i think he knows what he wants and and you know does what he can to get the get the right track um that being said that's not my choice for this guy because we're the same that's right we are the same see captain jack for sure and again it's the songs in the attic version because every song on that is superior to the studio recording Mm -hmm. um love the intro love love the build and the band on it um it's funny he wrote that song in 1971 so this was kicking around when his very first record came out um so he was probably 22 21 when he wrote it um though probably sounds so sophisticated exactly (laughs) only a 22 year old would use the word masturbate in a rock song but what makes the song even funnier is you know politicians love to play songs at rallies to you know get people excited well I think it was what it was the Hillary Clinton event. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. So the story goes. <laughs> and so it goes. An, and, and so it goes. She's supposed to do an event in New York. So said, all right, let's queue up New York State of Mind. Everyone knows it. New York will do that. Great, right? Well, someone put the wrong track on from Greatest Hits, volume one. Instead, Captain Jack. And it was queued up to the second verse. Yep. And is that's isn't that like track two or three it's really early on it's early i think it might be the second track yeah because it was off piano man Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that played at that rally and really we all should have seen what was coming for us right exactly you just i can imagine like pick like here in slow motion like oh no yeah how many people got fired that day right and then america died um okay captain jack moves along Captain Jack masturbates its way to the second round. Number two of our last part in the Stranger Attic uh, part of the bracket, number two, Vienna from The Stranger, and against number seven, Baby Grand, which is, is that off the bridge? It is. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Um, The Ray Charles duet that Billy was preparing for his whole career by singing songs that sounded like Ray Charles duets without Ray Charles. Without Ray Charles. Yeah. All right, what do you say, Michael? Start us off on this one. Vienna for me, for sure. Um, Personally, happy for him that he got to do that duet with Ray Charles, but he was working so hard to try to write a song that he felt Ray could connect to that it's it's just not as good as it could have been. Um, I love hearing them sing together, and I think that's great. Um, But uh, I think Vienna is a great song. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, you do a quick search of Billy Joel on Twitter. And I know Libby, you're doing that all the time. Um, But you're going to find like, that is the one song that like 18 to 24 year olds are obsessed with these days. It's, it's wild. I think it was on some TV show. Probably. Recently. Um, And it's funny because every so often um, I'll post uh, for those of you who don't follow Records Saturday, I have an evil Libby character who will show up and play records that I hate um, and pretend to like them. Spoiler alert, it's me in a fake mustache. Uh, what? I know. That's it. Oh my gosh. You can I, cut that I, if you don't want to. Wrongly worded letter the to the people at Record Saturday. Right. <laughs> but um, one time I think I posted something and I uh, on Instagram and I hashtagged it Billy Joel and his 
uh, I don't know if it was his drummer or his new guitar player or what, like favorited it. And I'm like, you don't want to do this. <laughs> you have picked a real bad time. Oh. He wasn't favoriting you. He was favoriting evil Libby. She's evil. So I'm... Um, Okay, so life is unfair. I think we all know that life is fundamentally bullshit mm -hmm. and it is deeply unfair. And the fact that Billy Joel got to do a duet with Ray Charles and Donald Fagan didn't is so sad and just proof that life is cruel because by the time uh, Donald Fagan recorded What I Do for 2006 Morph the Cat, uh, Ray Charles had died. And what I do is the superior song. It is sublime. It is sensual. Already, Baby Grand is deep on my shit list. I don't like Vienna, but again, my favorite person in the world called me one time and he doesn't say hello. He just launches right into the conversation, which I love about him. And he just said, Vienna waits for me. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, I saw it. I don't remember what show he said it was on. And I've been thinking about it a lot and I think I really like it. But then like an alcoholic who feels like he needs to take a drink, I figured I needed to call you to talk me down off the ledge. <laughs> and I was deeply touched by this. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, guess what I'm saying is Vienna. As, as Michael pointed out, um, it wouldn't have mattered anyway because Vienna was our third highest vote getter from our poll. Um, and so Vienna would have moved on with or without you. But so far you guys have agreed with our listeners on every single um single opportunity so three of our four are out vienna moves on we are halfway through the first round oh god we'll keep the train rolling oh, number one seed new york state of mind versus number eight allentown or as i call it the battle of route 78 how do you pick sorry sorry michael that's tough for for a pacific northwest guy to to pick up on but right. i'm sure Wait, you where are you together. those that's the major highway between those, those two um, I, li I live in Washington, stay about an hour north of Portland. Oh, it's no one like we know, no, but you, rec you might recognize him. Juicy. All right. New York State of Mind, number one, Allentown, number eight. Libby, go. Oh, I'm going to have to go with Allentown. I love Allentown, like, on apology, because it's so fun to sing along and it's so poppy, and the music video for it is so colossally dumb. Oh, God, it's awful. It's like when an AP class has to put on a skit about unions <laughs> that's good <laughs> and i think there's a naked butt in it yeah billy's billy didn't understand that he's like why did he put naked guys showering in this video oh my god what is going on but he loved those like like tableau videos because keeping the faith is that too like oh, keeping the faith is such a stupid video <laughs> And they're just it's like, so stupid. Like Billy was like, this works for Allentown. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I, Allentown is one of those, again, like he's trying to be Bruce Springsteen. I'm going to counter that with, in the video, look at how he's looking. He's trying to be Dylan. Yeah. The hat. The, it's, but the it's guitar, too, the, yeah. yes, he's trying to be Dylan being Springsteen. He's go. cosplaying as Bob Dylan, but he's singing in a Bruce Springsteen tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like all of the factories were not in Allentown. They're you know, not. But you know what, though, Libby, if, <laughs> if 
if cosplaying Dylan while seeing it in Springsteen tribute band is wrong, then I don't want to be right. Like, right. I'm sorry, Seriously. but I mean, you just described my, <laughs> my retirement plans. <laughs> no, and, uh, uh, it's just, <laughs> you know what it is? It's that Billy Joel is musical theater for dads. <laughs> Which is what I thought moving out was. I was actually waiting 10 more years to go see moving out because I thought I would be happier. No, that's, I guess, I don't, is that Billy Joel for gay dads? I'm not sure. <laughs> There's a lot of deaths. Billy Joel for gay dads needs to be the name of like a like a group. Like <laughs> like, like just some sort the of gay arcade. dads don't deserve that. Oh my god. We've gosh. had to go through enough. All right. So Allentown is getting the vote. Michael, do you agree? I agree. I agree for sure. Wow. Um, New York State of Mind. It's fun live. Um I could give or take it. It's 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 one that I just you know, I'm not from New York. I don't make that kind of connection with it. Um, Allentown, great, great melody, great feel. Um, I've heard some funny stories about, you know, recording the song. So that kind of gives it a, a little personal touch to it for me. Um, like there's a lot of percussion, a lot of little things going on. And um, like a, you hear a lot of the like industrial so sounds that go on throughout. One of them is the drummer jumping up and down on a case full of percussion equipment. Wow. It's, it's also got this really good like, ooh, ah, going on. I hate the ooh, ah. So, and, and I, like, I, why is there always, there's these lines that just hit, right? Like, like this idea of I won't be getting up today, right? The, the idea of like, it's hard to keep a good man down. And, and Libby, you made fun of the closing the factories down, but to me, like, I, you know, I live, I, I live here. I never drive by Allentown without turning to whoever's in the car with me and go, you know, I hear they're closing all the factories. Down. And I don't know, I've never seen a factory. I don't think I've ever been, I've been to Dorney Park, that's it. But I for, still, to yeah. me, the like the newspaper, like, uh, the uh, you know the graduations hang on the wall is a beautiful line like the poet in yeah. me loves yeah. so much about Allentown and then though they threw an American flag in our face and I'm like Billy really no one sat and said you know maybe we should syllabically <laughs> think about this line a little bit more closely that yeah. was him trying to be Elvis Costello like how many freaking totally. syllables can I totally. cram in a line uh, it doesn't work though no it that doesn't. song took him five years or so to to get to, to get together because he couldn't he couldn't figure out what to do with it because it was called Levittown at first. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, there's You're nothing to write about Levittown. Wait, boy, the, the fathers of <laughs> Levittown are pissed over well, that it's, one. It's funny though, because uh isn't that essentially what um what's the song off River of Dreams? Um oh, uh, no Man's, yeah, no, no Man's Land is, yeah. is essentially about all of Long Island. Right, right. Yeah. And he just couldn't he couldn't really he had the melody and just, well, we're living here in Levittown. He's like, I don't know what to do with this. And then when the whole steel thing started to happen, it wasn't in Allentown, but he thought Allentown was sounded like a very American name. And yeah. so he just, yeah. I'm going to use it because it sounds like, you know, Joe Smith, very like American. So there it was. Yeah, right. And it, it feels, I mean, Billy Joel definitely kind of co-ops the working class. Um, but that song, that, that's where he does it well, I guess. Yes. Yes. Uh, as no, opposed to like the Down Easter Alexa, where yes. I'm just like, oh, well, stop mm -hmm. it. 
Because they're right. Because there's there is a massive authenticity thing with him, right? Like that mm-hmm. that's going on. And and Down Easter Alexa is a really good example. What's the other one? Is where, it? Oh, Good Night Saigon is a really good example of yeah. just of of his real issue with authenticity and how much like writers, you know, dreaming he's allowed to do. But I believe it in Allentown, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Allentown is one of the the few Billy Joel spots where where I I believe it and. And and the Long Island songs, like I can buy that he knows these people, right? Like, yeah, you know. So I don't know. I I I, I tend to we can't forgive his his the stark white heteroness of everything about him, but we can forgive the notion that like I, I know he didn't fight in Vietnam, but I believe he knew and cared for veterans who did. Is that right. fair? Or am yeah. I not? I know Libby doesn't think I'm being fair, probably. Yeah. But am being, I being fair? I think you're being as fair as feels to you so in his defense like good night saigon was a song he didn't even want to write because he didn't go to he didn't go to vietnam he lied to get out of the draft he didn't want to go to war Uh, it was his summer of 69 (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) so true it's such a good it's a great analogy it is so he had but he had a lot of friends who went and the friends that survived wanted him to write about their experience and he fought it he's like I, I'm, I don't want to come out across as a fraud because I wasn't there. And he, and they're like, no, we, we want to tell you about our experience, what it was like as people over there. And so he said he just spent like weeks with his friends just hearing their stories and just, you know, crying with them and, you know, listening to them. And, and that's, this is the song that ended up coming out of it. Well, that's important, honestly, that, that being able to, to relate these stories, because a lot, of, I know a lot of a lot of them don't want to talk about it. And I spent 11 years as a journalist and trying to sure. talk to uh, to veterans around uh, Memorial Day and around Veterans Day um, wasn't always easy. And yeah, because it was it was very difficult for them to tell those stories. So um, yeah. so some respect, journalist to journalist. Yeah. All right. Very good. Allentown moves on. Um, Beach, Which is New too York- bad because I do love New York State of Mind because yeah. I like... It, Again, I'm sort of required to, and I'm not from New York. Um, I'm originally from Oklahoma City, um, okay. but I don't know. They, there's a, I don't want to use the word authenticity, but it's, you feel like a little bit of hometown pride when you hear it. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I certainly relate to that. I mean, literally New York state of mind was like the PBS, um, like, like travel log shows opening. Song. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. also because I took the, you know, the Greyhound on a Hudson river line. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, to go yeah. visit friends in New York City to visit uh, my grandmother who just died recently. So like thinking about like that, that movement into New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He really captures that. Yeah. Oh, and that for was, sure. And that yeah, was and the song he wrote moving back to New York from LA to, on the Greyhound as it was totally, he's, he, um, him and his wife bought, bought a house upstate. So he's, taking the bus up to go to the house for the first time. I don't believe that Billy Joel's ever ridden a Greyhound bus. And it will never convince me of that. uh, 1976, they weren't making much money. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's part of why he moved back, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, he was- I learned that from your podcast, Michael. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Um, so the song came so fast that as soon as he got to the house, she's like, what do you think of the house? And he's like, it's great. Where's the piano? I got something I got to work on. And this, and he, he just, cranked it out in an hour <laughs> yeah, yeah i love that i love that story and and you know um 
Libby, as a as a poet and a writer, what do you think about um, just naming the newspapers? Because I've actually read a lot of polarizing stuff about that. Like there are people who love that line. There are people who hate it. I'm indifferent. There's love- so much to hate about Billy Joel I'm, that I'm, I really like. That was that the hill the you're gonna die on. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I don't know why it works for me, but it really does more so than the Greyhound because I also don't buy the Greyhound, and I don't think anybody's ever enjoyed their time on a Greyhound. I've been on a Greyhound. No, nobody's happy on a Greyhound. Right. But the but but when he just says the newspapers, it seems like it shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe I'm corny. It's authentic. Well, I'm definitely corny. Right. All right. Next round. Um, number three seed, leave a tender moment alone from Innocent Man. And number six, this is the time, which is also the bridge, right? It is. Okay. Number six versus number three, Libby. No, Libby, you started last time. Michael, start us off. All right. So this one, um, I love the Toots Thielming harmonica on leave a tender moment alone. Great work. Um, he's also the one who infamously played, uh, the Sesame Street theme song back in the day. Um, But I absolutely love the lead guitar work by David Brown on This Is The Time. So that gets the nod for me. Wow, okay. Libby, are we gonna have our first disagreement between my guests? I can't even think of how Leave the Tender Moment Alone goes, but uh, This Is The Time reminds me so much of my ex. And I think because he went to college while I was still in high school and like that idea of departing, it makes me so actually nauseous that I'm going to cast it out, out of spite. Wow. I didn't see that coming. My gosh. Okay. It just like also has like the way he sort of grows like this is the time. It sounds like it's a laxative commercial. It was my senior prom theme. And I and of course it was your senior prom theme. It was, it was written for senior proms. I think it was my uh, favorite English professors. Like it was a quote in his yearbook. Right? I know, but I, I graduated like 12 years after this song came out. Like I, I know don't same. Know. There's yeah. no excuse. We got stuck with the theme from Titanic. Okay, you know, yeah, exactly. And oh my gosh, really? My art will go on, 98. Oh my gosh. The only thing I remember, like any like song related lyrics that weren't the soundtrack to Cowboy Bebop, which is what I was listening to <laughs> in 12th grade. So I get to vote for the first time in the show. Here we go. You guys have been a concert of agreement to this point. You've been a symphony of agreeing with each other to this point. And I am so happy that this is my chance because I love leave a tender moment alone and i'm gonna tell you why good because i don't know you ready michael here's what it is because i know i know this is a heartbreaker for you but here's what i'm going to tell you and then you're gonna you're gonna tell me if you agree or disagree okay okay song communicates one of the most complicated emotional truths i have ever heard stuffed into a pop song because in essence when you really sit down and listen to what billy's saying he's saying that he is talking about in literally the art of miscommunication right? in such a nuanced way that it should be impossible for him to generate that kind of truth in three and a half minutes, and yet he does. And the song is better musically than a lot of songs that get lauded over it. Right. But still, the lyrics to me are so truthful in that like a relationship analytical way that frankly... I think he he strikes on an innocent man better than he does anywhere else in his career. The songs yeah. on an innocent man for me are really him at his most like emotionally truthful 
Mm-hmm. And and that's a point in his life where he's right before the the Christy Brinkley divorce, right? This was when they were dating. Oh, they were ha- right. So they're happy. So he's yeah. happy. He's in love. Right. And and I tell you what, maybe it's yeah. just dropping a little bit of the Billy Joel sourness. Right. But I think it really works. <laughs> you, you, the nylon curtain that? was the marriage ending. Yeah, the previous marriage ending. So there you okay. go. And yeah, his first I, wife I started out. His first wife was his drummer's wife. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I've learned that on your show as the well. The guy from Attila. <laughs> so there was, that was a complicated relationship. And then she was his manager. So there was a whole lot wrapped up in the love songs for wife number one. Right. So, and they're beautiful. They're they, beautiful. There are for sure. But this was pure new relationship for the first time in 12 years. I'm in love with this woman. And he was so happy. Yeah. All right. Leave a tender moment. It moves on. Uh, next round, number two, just the way you are versus number seven. Everybody loves you now. Libby, start us off. That's a tough one. This was the matchup that caught my eye from that popped off the paper. This is a tough matchup. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to go with just the way you are because I feel like it's, it's a really underutilized song for a horror movie. <laughs> because think of, I just picture him sewing a girl's lips shut while he sings. It's like, I don't want clever conversation. I don't, I don't want to work that hard. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so I, I really, you know, Jordan Peele, let's talk. <laughs> I don't want to work. That's so that good. <laughs> Michael, I'm sure you agree with the horror movie. Uh, I mean, that's having me rethink all of this right now because that's 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 a whole new dimension I never entertained like, before. Something a serial killer would say? Seriously, it does. Would you paint it in that light? Totally would hear. could hear that. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, but this one, uh, for me, I think it's gonna go, everybody loves you now. Um, just the way you are, I don't mind it. Um, he didn't even like it that much. Him and the band didn't even wanna put it on the album. But he said Phoebe Snow and Linda Ronstadt came in the studio and they flipped over it. And they're like, well, the girls like it. I guess we'll put it on the record. <laughs> and, and Liberty, um, when Billy was getting divorced, Liberty DeVito, the drummer, would always mouth the lyrics to Billy. He was like his teleprompter back in the day. And so Liberty cleverly changed the lyrics from um, I love you just the way you are to she's got the house, she's got the car. (laughs) (laughs) Just a mess with him. Yeah. Um, Well, he can't drive the car because he has too many DUIs. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I love the live version of Everybody Loves You Now for Songs in the Attic. So that, that gives it the edge for me. Yeah, me too. I really do too. And now again, again, I have to break the tie, but I'm less eager about this one. because I really love um, Everybody Loves You Now, especially that live version you're talking about. I think that that is a really underrated song in his catalog. Again, a song that I think rings rings really true lyrically for me, for an artist who sometimes I'm, I, I find myself struggling to search for what he's talking about. Like, like Don't Ask Me Why, for instance, you know, a song that didn't make our, our uh, bracket which I love, but I have no clue what the hell he's talking about in that song. And that, and that happens a lot, you know? Um, but Everybody Loves You Now really, really hits it for me. However, the vulture said just the way you are is Billy Joel's Yesterday. And no, you're both shaking your head. I, see, I read that and That's thought, sad. you might be right. 
they, well, they, or they may be crazy. Right. That, or they make the rice that you make the rice. They make the gravy. Either one. <laughs> yeah. What? No, you disagree, Michael. This is not Billy Joel's yesterday. I couldn't name it off the top of my head. I'd have to think on it for a minute. But if I'm thinking Billy's yesterday, that's not something that just we are is not a song that comes to mind. No, it's Summer Highland Falls. <laughs> I do love yesterday. that one too. That's true. You know, this, this also begs another question that I'm going to pose, even though we're stalling in this round more than I wanted to, but would Billy Joel have been better off? And, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be, um, be funny. I, I'm, I'm legitimately asking, would he have been more celebrated? He certainly wouldn't be a bigger celebrity and he wouldn't be as rich, but would he have been more celebrated had he simply sold off his songs to other artists. Because I think about so many songs on this list. Like imagine if New York State of Mind was a Tony Bennett song. Imagine if, you know, imagine like, I don't, I don't know, you know, like, like Bobby Womack or, or, um, or uh, 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 who's, who's the guy who just died to him? I can't, for some reason, can't conjure in my head. The, uh, a Lovely Day singer, uh, Bill Withers. Imagine right. Bill Withers singing some of these songs. You know, mm -hmm. like, would, would Billy, have been better off if just the way you are start because do you guys know jose uh, jose james he does an awesome version of this song and i think when i listen to that song if this were the first time i was hearing it it would be my favorite song right now mm -hmm. and and so that to me that's got to mean something did billy miss the boat <laughs> Libby, you probably agree because you wouldn't have to deal with him as much <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I, I i i don't know because some Billy Joel songs are just so fundamentally Billy Joel in their utter Billy Joelness, which right. is that they are corny and dad rock and goofy as fuck, but he's trying to take them so seriously. So I, I, I don't actually know. Michael, what do you think? You know, it's interesting because that's what he wanted to do in the first place. He didn't want to be a solo artist ever, but his manager and this label he was talking to everyone was telling him well if you want to be a songwriter you need to do an album with your songs to get it out there so you can promote it and try to sell the songs to people well to get people to notice the album you need to go on the road so they kind of suckered him in to like becoming billy joel and and by the second album of doing that piano man hit captain jack hit in philly and suddenly it was kind of off to the races. That's mm. funny, because that's actually, um, Steely Dan was kind of the same way. They sort of wanted to sell songs to, to other artists. I can see really? that, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So there, they wrote that... a song for um, uh, Barbara Streisand, I Mean to Shine. Um, Dallas was covered by uh, Poco. Uh, Don't Let Me In was covered by Sneaker. And I mean, like, they didn't like touring uh, they they were with uh, Jay and the Americans for a little while, and they called them the Manson and Starkweather of rock and roll. <laughs> they didn't, yeah, they didn't want to tour. They, yeah. you know, See, that fascinates the hell out of me, Libby, because I I think of them as like such consummate musicians. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and and you know, they I think they sort of settled into their groove, but yeah, originally, yeah. I mean, they sort of approached the Brill Building like, let's write some songs for you, mm -hmm. and then we could do a whole steely dan breakdown although i'm telling you i will not be able to pick between two of them yeah that They're would all be special that, might be, like that might be the only thing more torturous than this <laughs> no, they're all great 
All right, I'm going to resist and go with just the way you are, which is what I would have chosen to begin with. So I'm going to just go ahead and pull the trigger and do that. We'll move it on. All right, I actually missed one, you guys. So I'm going to go back. Number four, ranked Piano Man versus number five, Prelude, Angry Young Man. We, we jumped through that. This, this is in the Allentown bracket. So let's hit that and then we'll get to our last two. Um, Libby, you start us off here. Piano Man or Angry Young Man? If Piano Man comes when I'm in a store, I will put down my items and leave. I hate that song so much. I, I literally heard it in a store two days ago. I, I hate that song so much. It makes oh. me so, it makes me into an angry young man. I'm, I just, I hate it. It oh. makes me want to scream. Every line of it is terrible. I think there was a, a story in McSweeney's where he goes to play it and everyone's like, wait, is that about me? Like you think all, right. all of our <laughs> lives are sad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Actually, uh, Joe, maybe you can answer this writer to writer. What the actual fuck is a real estate novelist? Real estate novelist! Have we ever figured that out? Michael? I to God, I have that written down for you. <laughs> I'd love to know what that is. I have the words, ask Libby what a real estate novelist is. I don't fucking know. I, I hate that song. Amazing. That song, just a white hot ball of incandescent rage in the <laughs> pit of my stomach it's so whiny and so sneering and he's looking down on all these people and that horrible sound <laughs> sounds like a carnival it doesn't sound like a carnival it sounds like a carny having an overdose <laughs> of meth <laughs> behind the tilt world oh, man. <laughs> the piano sounds like a carny behind the tilt world with small hands that smell like cabbage <laughs> Mike. <laughs> So, okay, let breathe, me breathe, 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 deep breath. Are you voting for Angry Young Man by default? Because oh my God, I, I love Angry Young Man so much. I will tell you my Angry Young Man story later. I really, like, I genuinely love Angry Young Man and uh, the Russian concert version is my favorite. Libby, I'm with you 100%. Angry Young Man is a is a is a real um, musician song, right? It's a piano player song. Yeah. Which is weird because it's up against a song about a piano player. And but it, Yeah, and it just reminds me of, like, 90% of the dudes I know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you a story when we get back to that one. Um, well, you're going to have to tell us now, Lib, because I got really bad news for you. The listeners of Every Month Madness, the listeners of the Three Crones Network, disagree with you guys. And the piano man moves on based on listener polling. It is the number one vote getter. So not only do you have to deal with it, Libby, Libby, don't. Don't flip the table, Lib. Libby. <laughs> flip the keyboard. Speaking of the Russian tour. Piano Man this round, but Piano Man's moving on to the Elite Eight. So God is my witness, I will destroy it. No, no tell I, us your Angry Young Man story now. <laughs> angry Young Man reminds me, I think actually a guy put it on a mix he made me um, when I was in, I think, 10th grade. He was a poet and a screenwriter, which should have been my first warning. Uh, his screenplay was a ripoff of Mallrats um, called Intellectual Intercourse. Yes, named for the Alanis Morissette song. <laughs> and he like truly felt angry young man because like society owed him. <laughs> so every time I think about it, his name was Raphael Zimmerman. He told everybody that he broke up with me, which is not the truth. We never dated uh, because I could date college guys. <laughs> and he later moved to Vegas to become a poker player and this is the fun part so this is the angry young man part I guess 
he called me when we were in college. He's like, I live in Vegas and I make a lot of money. I'm like, that's good for you. And he's like, I have a car and an apartment. Like, oh my God, I don't know any boys with a car or an apartment. And I hung up on him and he called back crying. Like, I need you, I need you to take me back. Like we were never a thing. You made me a shitty mixtape that opened with rent. (laughs) Musical rent. Wait, did it go for rent into the prelude part of Angry Young Man? I don't remember. Amazing. It should make me angry as it reminds me of him, but it kind of does because like, look at you, dumb fuck. Oh my God, I love that so much. And isn't it crazy that that just won't exist for any young people now? Like I still can remember some mixtapes in order and those songs will never not be connected to that person. But it's really hard to connect people to music now. Can I ask you both something that has always really bothered me about Angry Young Man? So the Turnstiles album cover, mm-hmm. okay? Am I crazy or those are supposed to represent the Each people song. in the songs, right? Yeah. Okay. So I get the, um, the, the older couple is I love these days. Got it. I got James is the dude with the books in his hand right on the nose. I'm not as mm-hmm. dumb as I look. Right. Why are the old lady and the little girl Miami 2017? And we can wait. Maybe we should just wait for that. We'll put a pin in that. Yeah. But is, is the angry young man the like the the the, the one black guy on the cover? I assumed it was Billy Joel. Oh. That's what I. Oh, interesting. I don't is know. It? Then who is the other guy? There's yeah, no that's a good question. Because there's James with the books. Who's the guy with the glasses? Say goodbye to Hollywood. Ho- no, ah, that's got to be say goodbye to Hollywood, right? Right. And the girl is all you want to do is dance. The girl with the headphones. So it's gotta be, it's either, I mean, cause there's no other songs. There's no explanation for that guy. And he, why is he the angry young man? (laughs) It just doesn't make sense. No, I think it's supposed to be Billy Joel. I think uh, just. But then who's the other guy? Why is there an extra guy? He wandered onto the set. (laughs) All right. So He's a prelude. I hate. (laughs) And this is my friend Prelude. This is James, and this is Prelude. Prelude. Amazing. Um, all right, so and Allentown's gone too, y'all. Sorry. What's wrong with you people? I'm sorry. If you don't listen, love Allentown, you're not an American. Listen, guys. Piano Man that won by sad. a lot. It was the only double-digit vote getter on the poll. Come to each one of your houses and slap you across the face. The Piano Man's the song at a Billy Joel show. It's like, all right, time to go beat traffic. I know, but is that like a Billy Joel person's view? Like, are we just desensitized to what made Piano Man good? No, Piano Man has always been a bad song. It has always been a saccharine, terrible, like nerd song. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> nerd song, right? If you want to play, play it live, play it live. That's fine, but put it third or fourth. It does not belong at the end of the set. No, you finish, well, especially one, because he finishes with I Go to Extremes. Because he plays the piano with his butt. Right. Yeah. Does he not do that too much? He doesn't play much anymore because it was kind of the the old drummer. It was his baby. He inspired the song. So once he was gone, the song went. I saw Billy twice. I saw Billy close Shea Stadium. I'm a huge Mets fan. Okay. So I, I had to be at the last thing at Shea. And I saw Billy at Vet Stadium years before with Elton John. And when Billy was at Shea, he bought Paul McCartney out and they played, I saw, I saw her standing there. And then I left. <laughs> and I left because 
if you've ever tried to get out of Queens um, after a concert, you know that people were like, but Joe, Paul McCartney was there. And I was like, John Lennon could have been there. And I would right. have, I would have left totally. because I'm not going to stand around Queens for until 3 a.m. At that point, you live in Queens. Yeah, you just might as well stay in Queens, right? Now, yeah. now I you're, not get, you're not you're getting anywhere. I had to watch Paul McCartney inevitably play Piano Man, which I knew was coming, and that's what they did. And what a waste of Paul McCartney's time. That is a huge waste of Paul. Like, I'm not a huge Beatles fan. I'm really not a huge Paul McCartney fan, uh, or this guy that's pretending to be Paul McCartney. Um, but <laughs> Paul is dead. Too soon, Libby. We're I not would, ready. This podcast is not ready. I would rather snort ground glass than listen to the two of them play Piano Man. I would rather go to the gallows. No, no, they didn't do Piano Man though. They did, they did Let It Be. Oh, so so Billy did Piano Man by himself? Yeah, Paul wasn't gonna- Yeah, I told you I wasn't there. Paul wasn't gonna <laughs> deal with that shit. He's a knight. He has I just a sword. Heard, there was literally some kid just- I said good day, sir. Me. There was a kid screaming at me at down the like, you know, rotunda as I was coming down. He was like, they're playing piano, man. I was like, don't care. I'm getting on the train. <laughs> I'm taking the seven line back to Jersey. Yeah. All right. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Let's keep, let's keep the this train rolling. Now I'm sad. This has La gone from fun to sad. Last part of the tournament. First round. Innocent man, number one seed versus last of the big time spenders, which is, is that Street Life Serenade? It is. Okay. Um, number eight versus number one, Michael, you go ahead. Cause Libby's catching her breath. <laughs> For me, it's an innocent man. Um, last of the big time spenders isn't a song I ever really connected with on that record. Um, just falls flat for me overall. Um, innocent man. I, I love the vocal performance. Um, yeah. I don't actually, I street life serenade is one that I don't know as well as I probably should. Um, uh, I'm going to have to go with an innocent man because that's the one I know, but I hate that song. Um, because it just, it sounds like it was made for the montage at the end of a movie where a guy has to face his wife in divorce court. Yeah. And she accuses him of cheating, but he did a person. He's like, I am <laughs> Which they snuck in movie. to the video of Keeping the Faith. Yeah, right. Very right. beginning of the... Keeping the Faith video, as they go into the courtroom, you can hear an innocent man playing. Yeah. In Muzak on the uh, elevator. It was the real, that's all the real version. The real version. Yeah, well, it's Muzak. And you, it's. I think it stretches his range too much. I think it's just an ugly sounding song yeah. that is made for sad divorced dads. <laughs> yeah. Are you, but you're voting for it though, right? Yeah, because I don't know the other one. <laughs> okay. All right. So I, I, I'm going to be worse. Yeah, but I'm going to leave it because it will move on. Number five, She's Got Away, which originally is on, that's not on Cold Spring Harbor first, is it? It is. Which, which I like, nobody knows that version of it though, right? Basically. Right, exactly. Number five, She's Got Away against number four, Say Goodbye to Hollywood, also on Turnstiles. Libby, you got to start this one. Let's say goodbye to Hollywood. It's a perfectly serviceable song and it reminds me of my friend Mike. There you go. My friend Mike. <laughs> yeah. Which one do you choose? Pure, again, see, I always go to songs in the attic. Um, She's Got Away is a great song, simple song, but that performance to Say Goodbye Hollywood is fantastic. The band is great, though I do love a little Easter egg that's in the Turnstiles version. Which is which is what? Near the end, near the outro of the song, as it's kind of wrapping up. So the story goes, drummer Liberty DeVito is sitting in the control room as Billy is doing the vocals out front. 
he gets up to go out and go take a piss. Billy sees him and just yells, hey, DeVito, where are you going? They left it in. I do. I love that. Yeah. I love that part of the song. I wonder if that's, I feel like the live version is what's on the greatest hits. Is that correct? Depending on which version you have, they've they've swapped it out. Yeah. There's different versions of the greatest hits. The, like the one that came as one and two? Yeah, that one probably has the live version. Okay, I wonder if that's why. Maybe. All right, Say Goodbye to Hollywood moves on to the second round. We got two more matchups to go. That's it. Number three, moving out from The Stranger and number six, Stiletto from 52nd Street. Michael? It's going to be moving out for me. Love the band. Um, again, I just love that band. Um, I love the, uh, the silly adding of the uh, Corvette peeling out at the end. That was the bass player's Corvette at the time. The entire intro, where it's bump, bump, da na na. They said that was inspired by the way Billy clears his throat every time before he sings. Gross. <clears throat> Gross. <laughs> <Right>? Gross. That's <laughs> disgusting. Steely Dan would never. Never, ever, ever. Libby, you guys have fallen back in sync. Do you agree? God, no. She's a stiletto girl. Fuck no. No, moving out is dumb. And okay, so here's my question. <laughs> Sergeant O'Leary is walking the beat. Yeah. And at night night he becomes a bartender. I mean, I assume he's on his feet like all day and then all night, but he's got a broken back. So why can't he just drive his fucking car? He can walk around. I'm sure he can Mm -hmm. drive the fucking car around. Mm -hmm. Is it like, like poetic, like society has broken his back. So he has to just sit in his driveway. Like, (laughs) yeah, no, I, yeah, I get it. But you know what? When I was 12, that was, poetry to me <laughs> like I, <laughs> I knew everybody in that song i felt like anthony was like my cousin anthony i felt like mom uh mrs Cacciatore's or uh, you know uh, mama I, I felt like mama was not my mother but like my mother's mother i really felt connected to everybody uh-huh. yeah. um no i really i and of course it's the it's the russian concert version for me with stiletto um because it's sexy and i'm sexy and i will definitely like put a knife between your ribs as clearly i have done to the two you have cut once cut twice for sure yeah um is 52nd street billy's sexiest album no there is no sexy billy joel no come on libby if you had to pick a sexy billy joel like that's the that's the album where Billy Joel's wearing the jumper and the it's robe, the right? it's the smokiest. It is smoky. Yeah, because it's like it's his attempt at jazz. He has like songs that are like his duop, his Phil Spector songs. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Or oh yeah, totally. Yeah. He unapologetically wears his influences on his sleeve. I mean, it's yeah. just it's 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 obvious, and he doesn't deny it. And again, it goes back to his insecurities. He always said that he hated the way he sang growing yeah. up. So well, he was always trying. <laughs> so see, you two agree. Um, <laughs> I'm too old for him. <laughs> hey, yo. I love it. No, but you know, he was always just trying to sound like somebody other than himself. And so it just carried on through his career, I think. 52nd Street was like the Billy Joel album that like when I stopped fawning over the mainstream stuff that was the album that i would come back to you know despite that i really love moving out but moving out will move on over stiletto i think only the the third time i got to vote and the last uh matchup includes my favorite billy joel song number two ranked miami 2017 versus number seven river of dreams michael what do you think miami 
It's Miami. There's no contest in this one. Mid nineties, Billy Joel. I mean, the river of dreams album is the one that I probably connect with the least overall that album. Um, I hate and it. There's a number of reasons for it. Um, you know, this is the first one without anybody in the band left. Um, but Miami is a, it tells a good story for sure. And again, songs in the attic, the live version of it is very powerful and big and the band is just smoking on it. Libby. I'm going to go with river of dreams in the middle of wow. And here's why <laughs> that is so shocking to me. <laughs> Actually, there's a couple songs on that album that I, I kind of dig. Like, I, I like Blonde Over Blue. I like yeah. um, No Man's Land is heavy-handed, but it's, yeah. it's got a good sound to it. But, so, but no, God. I'm not saying River of Dreams is good, and it's actually pure garbage. But what I like about it is when... So my book, The Big Rewind, there's a theme that runs through it where uh, the main character, Jet, gets a copy of the bridge that she cannot give away. It, it's sort of an anti-MacGuffin. It's an item that nobody wants. The question I get asked most often is, why do you hate Billy Joel so much? <laughs> it is what I have become famous for. I was invited down to New York for lunch with my editor, Chelsea. And as we're walking to the restaurant, she says, I have to ask you, are we going to have a problem with Billy Joel? Because I love River of Dreams. That's like my favorite album. What? And I was, she's like, I grew up listening to that. And I was like, yeah, no, I hate that guy. And, but so like when I hear River of Dreams, I always think of my editor, Chelsea. So I'm going to go with River of Dreams. And also because it's corny and terrible and everybody hates it. And it's pure mom rock. And I just like to throw a grenade every once in a while. She just likes to blow it up. She does because River of Dreams is the worst. It, Billy Joel's always trying to be something or trying to sound like something. And in this one, it's it's bad. All of it is bad. It's like this really early doo y kind of like 50s thing that I just yes. think he just, he just should not be messing with. Give and it I, to your hate. To me, Miami 2017 is the quintessential New Yorker song, but we'll mm -hmm. save it since that's moving on. I'm going to take my vote to Miami 2017. You guys, that's the end of our first episode. I am so unbelievable. <laughs> grateful for your time plug away so where can we find you libby cudmore go you can find me on twitter at libby cudmore you can find me on instagram at record underscore saturday you can hear me over at the ost party podcast you can listen to me over on the shattered shield podcast you can also pick up my book the big rewind from william morrow or you can check me out in ellery queen mystery magazine coming up in april michael grovener where can we find you all right. Well, you can find us uh, anywhere you find your podcast. Just search Glass Houses of Billy Joel podcast. You can also hit us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search Glass Houses Pod and um, glasshousespod.com as well. We're about a year in, so there's there's a lot to dig in if you love or you hate Billy Joel. All right. Thank you guys so much for being with us. This is Every Month Madness. I'm Joe Costal at Joe Costal on Twitter, JoeCostal.com. Thank you to the Three Crones Network for putting us on the air. And uh, check us out um, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week with the Sweet 16 of Billy Joel songs. And we will have Libby and Michael back to continue the torture that is deciding which Billy Joel song is either the greatest or the least sucky. We'll see you next time. <laughs>